a lot of business owners I've, I've seen, um, they want to sit back as quick as possible. Yeah. Right. Like I want to build a business and then get employees and get in the background as quick as possible. And now I just point fingers. Treading water is the same as drowning to people like you and me. You better start swimming. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob Green. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. We've got Matt Kelly from Hydro Silex and Detailing World. What's up, Matt? Hey, how you doing today, Rob? Good to be on, man. I'm, I'm doing really well. I'm super excited to talk to you today because I live in the e-commerce world, but it sounds like you've actually really included the brick and mortar along with the e-commerce business that you have and really starting to take it to the next level. Can you tell us a little bit about Hydro Silex and Detailing World? Yeah, so... Um you know, Hydro Silex was kind of my brainchild. Um, I've been in the car care product industry for probably about 20 some years, uh, originally starting working for someone, learning the business, finding all the issues in said product, making things better. Um, we're now blending our own products and uh, we have our own proprietary recipes of these different products that are sold globally. Um, and, you know, I've kind of used the Costco model to uh, be a vehicle for this this particular brand, Hydrosilex, through another chain of stores that I own. Um, we have about 12, 15 by the end of um, January that will be open, uh, which is called Detailing World. And so Detailing World kind of showcases this Hydrosilex brand, and it has all the other nationally promoted brands as well to kind of you know draw people into the store where I can then introduce them to my product. Uh, and it's gone great so far. So you've got a synergy there between the online business and the, and the online brand of Hydrosilex, which you've had, I think, for six years, you said. Is that right? Yes, Hydrosilex has been about six years. So you sell your normal marketplaces, Amazon. Uh, you sell, I don't know if you sell in Walmart or not, but you sell Shopify. You sell, you sell Hydrosilex all over the world, correct? I mean, so, you know, we, we did talk to Walmart, Walmart about putting it in stores. But what I found um, with some market research, and I'm glad I kind of waited because they did accept us, but I'm glad I waited because there's another competitor brand called Chemical Guys. You may have heard of them. They're I have. Heavily advertising. Um, but Chemical Guys put themselves in Walmart. And the problem with that was is that they were originally a professional brand. And then when the professionals realized that every Tom, Dick, and Harry could go buy this product off the shelves of Walmart for ridiculously cheap, they felt slighted. They felt that... Chemical guys kind of gave the professionals, you know, pedestal to the everyday user where now they just stopped using those products and mm. said, if you use chemical guys, then you're not a real detailer or you're not a real professional, right? You're using the over the counter, you know, dumbed down stuff, right? And that's the same thing for Meguiar's and some of these other brands. And, uh, you know, whereas chemical guys just sold their company for $1.4 billion, um, I don't fault them for what they did, but they had a you know, a bunch of stores as well, like me. They had 99 franchise stores. Um, so we declined from Walmart. Um, I am on walmart.com, um, which, you know, that's kind of like uh, an eBay or an Amazon, I guess you could say at that point. Uh, we are on Amazon, which, um, you know, I've been on there for a few years and it's a, a love-hate relationship. It, it definitely uh, handles customers that are kind of the, I don't want to call them lazy, but the one-click you know, one click and in your, your front door type of guys that don't want to have to do a lot of work. They get the free shipping, but that's really it. It's not really designed for, for me at least, um, to find new users because it's so saturated in my space that unless you're spending, which we do, $15,000 a month, you're not really getting that buy box. You're not getting 
um, you know, what you need exposure wise. So, um, but we've chose to have our own e-com site and with the brick and mortar and we've been doing great. So. Okay. So hydro came first stores detailing world came second, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, about a year after about a year after. Okay. So you've been doing the detailing world for a few years. Also, would you say that? Yeah, since November of 2018. 2018. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, a lot of your growth sounds like it's coming more from detailing world than is like the marketplaces or Shopify. Is that true? Yes. And so, you know, again, we all strive to be in Walmart and big box stores, but they're going to take away all your margin. And um, it just doesn't really make sense for a company like me. So, realistically, the driver, um, we create our own box store, right? We have now tag teamed with a lot of these other nationally advertised brands to create like value, you know, like these one brand stores, like chemical guys, they have a chain of 99 stores and they only sell chemical guys. Hmm. There's another company called Jack's wax that only sell their brand. And those are the two like leading competitors to me because of just their market share. They've been around a lot longer. They have more stores, but their business model fails because you're cutting your legs off. You know, most people don't want one brand. Like what if they don't like that brand? Now you don't have that customer. And as I mentioned before with, you know, kind of the negative connotation of putting chemical guys in Walmart, now you're kind of having the market working against you saying that you shouldn't shop there. So the little bit of guys that you did get secured to be a a chemical guys fan, for example, um, may eventually get talked out of it. So Options are everything. People love options. They don't like to have things shoved down their throat. They don't like to be told what to buy. So we give them the option of everything. And when they come in, it's up to me and my team to kind of either suggest other things or lead them into maybe trying something new. And um, like I said, we've really been capturing a lot of market share that way because we're in a lot of major cities right now. And um, the amount of people that are seeing our brand it's way cheaper to do it this way hmm. than it is to do your paid campaigns, right? Because you can't really necessarily guarantee that when someone sees that ad that they're going to buy, or at least your 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 um, chance of closing the deal is much higher when someone's in front of you, right? When they come in the store and you can show them the product, touch the product, demo the product versus being in a sea of other products that really the only way you kind of get um, in front of people is by doing a discount, right? Let's be honest. Uh, or you're going to get a stranger that maybe tries a brand because your video was cool, right? But those are like hit or miss. Um, okay, Matt, so yeah, I've got I a, a bunch of control with. I got a bunch of basic questions from sure. a non-detailing guy. I've never detailed my car myself. I've paid to have it detailed, but I know very little about your space. So let's take a step back. Mm-hmm. When we're talking car care products, we're talking about I assume leather conditioner tire cleaner, everything, everything, any chemicals that go on or in your car, essentially. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. And And a lot of other accessories as well. Okay. When you decided to open up the stores, are we talking like a a small pop-up store where it's like 600 square feet or what is the blueprint? No. Okay. What's the, what's the blueprint for a detailing? When I use the word superstore. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. So great question. Uh, they're about 3,500 square feet on average. Wow. Um, most of the stores, uh, are right around that range. There's some that are smaller, about 2,500 is the smallest that I have. I do have stores that are bigger than that. Um, that really chose to kind of bring in some of our additional tiers of what we offer. So tier one would be, you know, a brick and mortar store. Tier two would be offering the training. 
right? Where we actually have um, the Mini Coopers, right? You're familiar with that car. Yep. We have the full front end of Mini Coopers, but it's all fiberglass and it's painted to look just like a Mini Cooper because it is. Um, and I have three of those in those training stores. Okay. And we do once a month, we teach you how to remove scratches and swirl marks out of your paint, uh, apply other th- protective things like ceramic coatings, teach you window tinting and other things of that nature. And so tier two would be um, offering trainings. And so those guys need a little bit bigger of a store. And then the tier three um, of the business model is uh, on the road. So we actually have delivery trucks that have lift gates. So we could take 55 gallon drums to dealerships. We can go to detail shops outside of the market. The truck's not really designed for, you know, a 20 mile radius. It's outside of that for people that maybe can't get to the store because it's too far. They just don't want to. Um, so we'll take the truck out there, get some accounts and then drop a brick and mortar there. And so kind of the truck is like laying out the red carpet, if you will. So that's, but, yeah, that's 3,500 square feet. So it sounds like, are, are you guys positioned, is Detailing World positioned to the professional detailer? So yes and no. Okay. So the brands are professionally known. Okay. So those guys are going to come in no matter what. I can just tell them, hey, Detailing World's here. And they've already heard about us from all the other stores. And they're like, heck yeah, we got one coming to our neighborhood. It's like Chick-fil-A. Some people are crazy. Like, we got a Chick-fil-A coming. That's how it is about detailing world for the professional detailers. But realistically, for every hundred regular people, you only have one detail. Okay. So the money is in the do-it-yourselfer. The money is educating all the other people, right? So yourself, for example. Yeah, I'd be a great example. You, you, We could now teach you a couple things so that you don't need to go to the detailer every single time you got to clean something, right? You just use the detailer for the bigger stuff. Right. Um, but we teach you how to, you know, do all the other little things. If you got a stain on the interior, we'll teach you how to remove it. Our people at the store are very technical and um, they can walk you through each step. Wow. So that's kind of the real um, the details of the low hanging fruit. But the ultimate goal is the do it yourself market all day. It reminds me of like Home Depot and you can go take a class at Home Depot and learn how to lay tile, for example. That's what it feels like to me. Or you can contract, hire a contractor from Home Depot all in the same breath. Now, do you feel it's above your your level of expertise? That's interesting. Do you offer referrals or are you a connector in any way to the professional detailers locally? Sure. So um, I recently just sold my service company that's been open for quite a while. Um, And the reason I did that is I just needed my head focused on this brand. But previously, uh, when people would come in because, hey, it's called Detailing World, we've had a couple people that were like, hey, you guys do it here? No, but down the street, we have a store. Here's the business card. So it was like synergy, getting people in and then shuffling to, to other another business. But now that I've closed that, I've kind of um, you know found my local detailers that are good customers, that I trust their work, their work ethic and their quality. And we'll actually then present the customer with their business card which they love because they just come there to shop and now they're getting business from there. So you can imagine the loyalty that they give us when they get a couple phone calls um, from the referrals. Uh, other stores in my, in my network still own service companies and they'll, they'll do it outside of there. Now all detailing worlds are standalone. We do not duct tape a service company to it because that can really, you know, competitors are weird. Uh, the detailers, they're not going to shop at your yeah. car care product store if they know 
that you're also detailing because they're lining your pockets with money to now compete with them in advertising. I've noticed that. So they have to be completely separate. And um, usually the owners kind of stay behind the curtain. You know, like they don't let it be known that I own a detail shop and also detailing world. It sounds like there's, there. sounds like there's a little bit of an opportunity there to create almost a, a mini local marketplace, right? For the consumer sure. who does it themselves, but has a bigger job, for example. And I want an easy way for me to, for you, you guys are essentially curating the best detailers in the area, right? I don't know. And this is, Absolutely. this is reality. I'm not just pretending. I know nothing about detailing. So I don't know where I would start, right? But if I go to a detailing world and I learn about it and I go, boy, this is awesome, but I don't want to do it myself. I would trust in you guys. Hey, give me a couple referrals and then I'll just call them, you know, based on their availability or based on their um, ratings or their reviews or, or their quality, right? So I wonder if there's a small opportunity there for you to create almost like a, a local online marketplace where you're just connecting sure. those consumers. Is there, a, is there, a, is there a play there? Like for a you? lead, a lead program. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, t- we have talk about lead generation uh, for the detailers, but it's like, you know, you got to pick your battle, you know, okay. <laughs> being an entrepreneur, you're grabbing at everything, man. Like yeah. you're just, and seeing what sticks and, what we have is working and I don't want to kind of go off path too much to create these other little things, which could be really good for us in the long run. But as my team grows, I can start delegating some of those tasks to try to get them up and running. But right now we're trying to stick flags in every state as quick as possible because we have no real competition in this business model. And uh, I think some people are starting to get smart to that and they're not, they're not starting in our territory, but they're on the other side like West Coast trying to now meet us in the middle, right? Um, but we're, we're light years ahead with our business model, with our relationships with the vendors. Um, because of our buying power, we have the absolute best margins in the products. Mm-hmm. These guys can't beat us in that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a very interesting business model that we got sitting. There's so many things we can add into it. You know, I, I haven't heard of this business model. It's very interesting. I think it's very savvy. You've kind of taken little pieces from some of these bigger companies. And when I say that, you know, you've got the Costco Kirkland analogy, you've got the Home Depot training analogy. You're becoming, I I think Superstore is a great word for it, but but you're that one-stop shop for detailing, essentially, for all consumers and professionals, which I didn't even know there was this much demand, to be honest with you. How how big is this market? Oh, can I tell you? So this is interesting. You would never know this, but I mean, just look at, our, our, pro, our, our customer base, it's anyone with a car. Yeah. Anyone. Because if you don't have the money to go out and buy new cars, well, guess what? Mm-hmm. You're keeping your old car restored, clean, right? But if you're the guy that has the money for the new car, well, you don't want to be driving around in a dirty car. So almost everyone cleans their car one way or another. And your options are go get household products that you now transition into cleaning your car, which isn't always the best. You know, grabbing uh, Windex and to use as glass cleaner in the car or, you know, the household chemicals. And that, you know, that that's what most people have been doing. But now with the education of this store, they're learning um, that, hey, it's not as scary as I thought. And so the the, the market, I mean, I told you, um, chemical guys sold for one point four billion dollars. And we're talking about uh, an equity group that has the Rockefellers involved and some big names that you would recognize all day long. Um, McGuire sold to 3M 
for around a billion dollars as well. Uh, Barry McGuire is retired because of that. Um, so the industry is huge and it's only getting bigger with the more cars on the road. Hmm. Um, and more importantly, the economy has really helped us because at least the store aspect, because the professionals, you know, some of them aren't cheap. And right. the first thing to go is the vanity services when it comes to the economy, right? Maybe people are learning how to cut their hair themselves or women are painting their own nails and stuff like that. And that's exactly what has happened with the car enthusiasts. They're just doing it themselves now. You know, they're getting on YouTube. They're learning how to do it. They're asking us questions, you know, so it's uh, almost like a recession proof thing, to be honest. Well, I love that you I love that you serve all customers. Right. I love the fact that regardless of how the economy goes, if the economy picks back up and everybody's crushing it and they all want to buy from detailers and the detailers are your customers also. I mean, that it's just it's a you cover all aspects of the marketplace, which I love. Plus, you've got your own brand, That's the goal. which is growing online, which is taking yeah. away your limitations from geography. I love that, too. So, OK, so I'm excited. I want to open a detailing world. Let's just say I'm ready to go. How does somebody get about how does somebody do that? So the first thing would be is that we kind of qualify you in a nutshell. It's not required that you have any experience in detailing because we train you on that. And I've, I have you know a few stores that never did it in their life, and they're actually now some of my top stores. It really comes down to just being business savvy, having a, a sales background, right? Because that's what we're doing um, and following directions because we literally package this thing so well that you don't have to think outside the box. You just paint by numbers and you're going to have a beautiful detailing world at the end. Um, but realistically, after we've qualified you, um, all these businesses are done in a strip mall. Okay. The reason I've chose strip malls is for the synergy, of course. Uh, also because of the parking lot, because some of the lifeblood of our business model is doing car shows and other like events like that. Right. And so having access to the parking lot, uh, getting permissions from the, the leasing office is not hard at all, by the way. It, they can even put it in the lease that you can use it once a month. Um, but that's the second thing. And then I like to make sure strategically being strategically placed um, near main veins of highways and stuff. You don't want to be too far off the beaten path, right? You want to be near major highways because right now there is nobody doing this. And so you're getting people that are driving from an hour away wow. and you want to try to make it as easy as possible for them to do that. Um, aside from that, um, you know, the cost, of course, we have uh, a licensing opportunity right now. We don't charge any franchise uh, fees or okay. a license opportunity. <clears throat> I have already done the background research for franchising. I I'm staying far away from it. Okay. It works for some people. It doesn't work for me. Um, we've had no problems getting funding or anything because of that. Like a lot of people say that banks will fund franchises over this, but we've had no problems with that because our, um, our buy-in in total, if you're getting a loan would be about 150 of a loan. Okay. Not um, bad. That's for two. Well, that, that includes a lot of stuff. So that includes two months of operating expenses. Okay. Right. That also includes the licensing fee, which is $20,000. Okay. And right now it's, 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 it's priced to move, right? I've, I've set this price. I've lowered the bar so that any like real, you know, professional detail shop can get into this business model as the next chapter of their life, something more passive, because a lot of these detailers are in there grinding away with buffers and 
doing sweat all day long, sweat equity and stuff like that. And they're just getting old and tired and they're like, what's next? You know, I, I either try to sell this business, but this business is me. What am I selling? Right. Um, or they find some other ways to invest in crypto stocks and that can be scary, right? So this is a passive income opportunity. So $20,000 in licensing fee. And then we have uh, $70,000 at this point in time for the initial inventory. Okay. Now that doesn't give you 100% of all the SKUs that we carry. Uh, to get that, you're right around like 91,000 at today's uh, uh, at today's stock levels, um, and that'll give you a little bit of everything, right? But uh, we again try to keep it low, so it's 20 and 70 in inventory, and then the rest is your build out and your two months of operating expenses. That seems very so reasonable for somebody. Uh, you know, that's the goal. That's the goal. Keep it real inexpensive that it's available to anyone that can pull that together. Is there an um, ongoing licensing yeah. fee then annually? Um, so I don't do an annual fee. I do a, a renewal. So the terms have now changed from three to five years. So you'll have a five-year term. And then after the end of that, it's just a $10,000 renewal fee. It's nothing major. Okay. Um, but it's something I felt was necessity, you know? And then they're getting the buying power of all of Detailing World because you've negotiated the contracts with all the other manufacturers, mm -hmm. I assume. Yeah. So this is this is why this business model works so amazing. And I'll tell you why. Okay. If, Rob, you wanted to go out and start your own Detailing World on your own, not under our umbrella, yep. right? You just want to go out to all these different brands. They have minimum order quantities and they're not nice, right? Mm. They're trying to weed out the people that are just buying it to use for their own businesses. And so there's an initial inventory. Uh, it's quite large. You know, they're usually at least five figures. And so we have, a hundred, you know, 50 to 100 brands. I mean, probably about 75 realistically. But each one of those brands comes with that minimum order quantity. So I'm about, if I just look at my one store and securing those relationships, I'm about a million dollars in with securing the license for all those manufacturers. Right? So this is a lot different. You do your initial inventory buy-in and now you can order from us just when you, what you need, when you need it. And that keeps your inventory low, your overhead low. Um, and it's just a, a wonderful business model that way. And are you, do you, does Detailing World then bring inventory into one central warehouse that distributes to the stores or do you just order as needed from the, the suppliers? No, since, since most uh, of our stores, um, orders are going to kind of be like a giant grocery list of different products and different quantities and stuff. It's really hard to drop ship direct from the, the manufacturers because then they got to deal with these little ones and twos orders. So right now um, we're, we're primarily on the East coast as of right now. Okay. And I'm controlling that growth. I have people in California. I have people in the Midwest that are like, Hey, let's go. And I'm like, not yet because the cost to ship to you, it's going to really hurt your margin, and I, I don't. I need you to be successful. So right now, our warehouse is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, that services all of the East Coast, which is a, a two to three day, no matter where you are. Okay. And the cost is not that crazy with freight, but we are already looking for a centrally located warehouse somewhere in maybe like Kansas area, like right middle of the state or the the U.S. And that will allow us to push further west. Um, but yeah, just shipping from here to Arizona is just, you lose so much of your net profit. 
I, so we've stayed I, away from that. I love stories like this where you, you know, it seems like, <clears throat> I always call it simple, but not easy. Like you've laid out, when you, you make it sound simple, definitely not easy. Those of us that have done it, started entrepreneur, but you've really yeah. built this foundation, I feel. And now you're right at that tipping point to take off. Do you feel the same way? Well, well, so I'll tell you that, Rob, I, I don't know if you ever uh, had a company that held inventory, but mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the Shark Tank. I think most of us have probably watched it and we love that show. But sure. one of the main issues that they're coming on there is that they need money to build their inventory because they built the demand, but they can't keep up with the supply. That yeah. is a real thing, Rob. And we have had that challenge for uh, about third and fourth quarter of last year. We were at that point where it was like, man, we're running on fumes. Like we have all these stores coming on, but we just can't get enough product in fast enough. And so, you know, I I talked around for funding and at that point people were wanting equity and I'm just, I don't like doing that. Like I did all the work. I'm not, I'm not going to give you equity just to throw me a little cash. Sure. So we just held out. And then in first quarter of, of this year, we got five stores that just came on Nice and just buried us with some cash flow, which allowed us to catch up. And so as of right now, we we are okay. We're in a good position. Um, but yeah, that was definitely challenging trying to grow for sure. Yeah. I mean, we carry a couple million dollars in inventory at all times in our, our businesses. And, you know, especially before mm-hmm. Q4, that's always the hardest part for us is, you know, we place our orders in June and July to get the orders manufactured and, right. and get it shipped over so we can get it delivered in the U.S. before Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And you're guessing on demand for Q4 in mm-hmm. June and July a lot of times, which is really challenging, obviously. And you've got to lay that cash yeah, out. absolutely. And then you've got to wait to sell the product and get the money back. So we, I think all of us that have any, any, any inventory-based businesses have all suffered through that, getting to that tipping point where you're making enough cash that you can place the orders. Because I'm a big finance guy. I went to school for finance, got my MBA. I mean, I honestly, cash flow kills businesses of all sizes. And it's funny because a lot of people mm-hmm. think of cash flow as a problem when you're not doing well. I think it's a bigger problem when you're under hyper growth mode because you're just trying to feed the machine and you've got to get the, you can't Absolutely. sell a product you don't have and you need the cash to buy the product Absolutely. to be able to sell it to keep that flywheel flying. Well, not only that, but when you're that big, you can topple a lot harder. Like if you don't, if you don't provide the products on time, you have a, a longer way to fall. You That's know? true. So I'm with you. I think, you know, at this point in time right now, like not having cash flow can be like death to the company. Yeah. So, I, so, so is we've that, overcome it. So, so you built this foundation. Is that really the next step for you is to make sure you've got the financials to continue the growth? Cause you've got 15 stores. I mean, I feel like, I feel like you've got a pretty clear big vision for this. You've, you've mentioned chemical guys and McGuire's. I mean, what's your vision, you know, play it three to five years out. What do you hope detailing world looks like? Um, a higher quality Walmart for car care products. Yeah. Love it. We're going to, we're going to put these things everywhere. I, you know, I I followed the Sam Walton business model Mm -hmm. and that's buying power. That's how he did it. And that's what we're doing. So the cool thing is, is that all these manufacturers, you know, they, they would love to have the Walmart money, but they don't want to downgrade their brand by putting it in there. So now we've become that for them. And there, you wouldn't believe the amount of support that they're giving us because we can now control what sells. For example, if I said, let's say, we'll take one of my brands. Um, well, let's just say it's Hydrosilex, right? Hydrosilex corporate's like, hey, detailing world, 
we really want to kind of push some product this month. Detailing World can say, hey, we're going to run a contest between all of the stores that whoever sells the most hydrosilex, the manager wins 500 bucks. Love it. And guess what? Hydro pays that 500 bucks. So now for 500 bucks, you can have 15 stores just blasting this brand to every person that walks in the store. How powerful is that comparatively to taking 500 bucks and putting it in a paid targeted campaign? What do you think you're going to make more on, right? It's, it's, it's a no-brainer, right? So we have the control to kind of incentivize these stores to kind of sell what we need them to sell, right? What? Now, we don't sell any garbage products, right? They're all good. So I wouldn't feel bad if they were pushing Hydro or pushing another brand for that matter. Um, but yeah, I mean, money talks. And so incentivization is everything. I mean, this this has been gone going in retail forever. I mean, this is the the Coke versus Pepsi. I mean, they're always paying for more shelf space and running this promotion with Safeway or Kroger or yeah. whoever. I mean, this is a this yeah. is the this is the proven model for how brands can drive awareness and new customer acquisition. And I would think, correct me if I'm wrong, I would feel like in in, in detailing, once somebody finds a product and a brand they love, they tend to stick with it. Is that fair to say? Most of the time, yes, that is that is correct. People don't like change. Yeah. So if they find something that works in more cases than not, they're going to stick with that 100%. How do you prevent or do you even think about it in a way that somebody comes in, I'll use Meguiar's because I don't know a lot of these name brands, but I come in, I, I learn from you guys and I buy Meguiar's, let's just say it. What stops me from just go buying Meguiar's on Amazon.com? Is there anything that prevents me from doing that? Do you carry like a different type of skew or a different bundle or anything that's like, do you differentiate away from a product perspective? Um, so you obviously can't prevent people from, you know, learning about something and going online and getting cheaper. That's yep. impossible. But the, the good thing is, is that a lot of these products aren't on Amazon. Nice. Right. Like I don't want to call them dinosaur companies, but they're, they're very like just focused on what they do. And that's, creating products, right? And they're not really, they're focused, they're more of a distributor model. That's why, right? Okay. They don't, some of these guys don't have an e-commerce site. They just sell to distributors and they focus on manufacturing strictly, right? That's a lot of the case. The guys that do have e-commerce sites, I now have the ability to kind of handle them if I need to, because mm. I have enough buying power where it's like, Hey, if you run that um, Black Friday sale an extra week, I may get rid of your products out of my store because you're competing with us. And I don't like to compete with my manufacturers. So I can, I, and I've done this. Like the, one company was running their Cyber Monday until Cyber Saturday. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, this is ridiculous. Like you got a 50%, a 40% to 15% off, you know, and we're competing with that right now. Turn it off. Or I'm, I'm going to tell you, this is like, you're on my last nerve. Um, we will clear your, your product out of our store. And they were like, Oh, we're so sorry. We'll turn it. And they turned it off immediately. So like you do get a little bit of that, um, where you can kind of have the control, um, with that. But, uh, you know, it, it, there's always going to be that factor. You know, there's the other thing is too, you got your e-com guys that, you know, they have a little less overhead so they can do like a 30% off sale. Now there are, MA, uh, you know, map pricing and all that stuff. Um, that they have to kind of follow by. But we've also got negotiations with these manufacturers that, look, these guys sometimes are going below map. How are you enforcing this? 
And so some of them have actually for 2024 increased their map and, and made like penalties. If you go below that worse than they ever have before because of us. I like because that. This is the horse, this is the horse to, to bank on for the long term, right? You want to win a quick race, go to e-com. Sure. But this is the long haul. We're building brand loyalty in the territories where they've never been able to really get before unless someone's physically paying to advertise and get impressions in that territory. So it's just, it's just a better mousetrap, you know? I love it. I love this. I love this model. So, you know, I always say it's never a straight line as being an entrepreneur. It's, it's always an up and a down as we grow and we get better. You know, is there anything you'd love to share with the audience about the biggest lessons you've learned as you've kind of applied, you know, everything you've been practicing for the last five to six years across both of these models? Yeah. So I think my biggest challenge is, you know, you can't grow without people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I know we all know it's hard to find help out there. We've known that for years now. Um, blame it on what you want. But at the end of the day, like you have to be very careful of these Facebook superstars that mm -hmm. look like they're amazing until they come to work for you and you realize that they're fake as hell and that everything that they're doing online was just a photo op, that it's not real life. And mm -hmm. I've, I've been burned a couple times, you know, paying six figure salaries for the guys that I'm thinking are going to take me to the next level Yeah, because online they look like they're this God, right? They're, they're just on this pedestal and then they come to work for you and, and they have no work ethic. It's, it's, they're just there for the selfie opportunity. You know, I, I, uh, just had to get rid of a guy that I hired that was supposedly like this top sales guy of all time. Right. And, and his Facebook looks like that. And then I hired him and we went to Las Vegas for a trade show called SEMA, yep. which is the world's largest trade show in, in the world. And I brought him there and he did absolutely nothing but go take pictures with cars and told me, hey, I'll be right back. I'm going to go to the T-shirt stand. And I'm like, are you a tourist or an employee? Like, what are you doing here right now? He worked for three months and didn't sell a single thing, a wow. single thing. I let him go. I had to let him go. And my company ate three months worth of his salary Yeah. to learn our lesson. But can you ever really learn that lesson? You know, it. You have to get better at, at trying to see through people and um, get better at interviewing and all that. But, you know, some people are really good at just manipulating. They really are. Yeah, I mean, three months isn't too bad. I mean, I think, we, you know, we try to embrace that. You know, we try to hire slow and fire fast. I think that is probably the biggest thing I've learned right. is that, you, you know, in your gut right away. I mean, generally speaking, you know, within a few weeks, whether it's a great, you probably knew at SEMA, you're like, uh, I don't know about the t-shirt guy. This isn't my guy. He's, he's not, he doesn't have the right ethic. Yeah. He, he wants to go party and go get right. t-shirts and take photos with the, the cars. Probably not my sales guy. He's not exactly. out there making sales. No. And he was, he was older than me too, which was like, you know, you're like 12 years older than me, dude. And anyway, um, it just, you gotta be careful with those people out there, man. There, there's a lot of guys that want to just, um, get paid as much as possible for the littlest yeah. amount of work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I always think about it this way with the team and we, we all have these challenges. Every, every entrepreneur I know has challenges about hiring, getting great people. Right. And the gap between great and good is, is significant, right? <clears throat> a great employee versus a good employee night and day. And we try to reward everybody. I want everybody in a boat rowing in the same direction. And that I feel like everybody I talk to that owns a business, that is the number one challenge, whether it's, you know, 
we're getting a little older, Matt. Maybe it's an age thing. Every generation thinks the younger generation doesn't work as hard. Uh, that at least that's what the history it's shows. That's so. it really is true. I it, it, I, I'm the same way. I'm like these young kids don't work as hard as I I did. So I feel the same way. But I think that's that's constantly evolving. How do we get better at getting the right people? that are really invested. Have you found any methodology to get those people that are great invested in detailing world for the long haul? Well, you know, you got to interview, you got to ask the right questions. First. Okay. Um, look at, look at their habits, um, get access to their Facebook hmm. and kind of see what they're doing in their, their life. You know, um, you can get a lot of information off of social medias that they're not maybe going to present to you in person, right? They have like a separate life. Um, so that's, that's kind of helped. Um, another thing I like to do is, you know, we have a probationary period mm-hmm. where we, we start you off at like a, kind of a lower uh, introductory salary or whatever it may be. You don't get any commission at that point. You okay. know, you're just paid to, tr- to get trained realistically. Um, and then after three months, if we like you, uh, we keep you and then we increase your, your salary will give you benefits or whatever it may be. So like the opportunity is there, but I'm not going to just give it to you from day one. You have to earn it. You got to think outside the box too. Um, you know, it's great if you can follow a script and you do everything I ask. We love those employees, but I love, really love the employees that just do things on their own, you know, or they'll start taking the lead on their own and directing other people to kind of help them do things. So like you're always kind of looking out for different characteristics um, that can emerge in different situations that you may come across in the first you know month or so of them working there. So just you know pay attention. A, a lot of a lot of business owners I've I've seen um, they want to sit back as quick as possible. Yeah. Right. Like I want to build a business and then get employees and get in the background as quick as possible. And now I just point fingers. And you know I I found that you kind of um, can go in the wrong direction when you step back too quick, right? You have to set the example, set the pace, um, be the lead, you know? Um, and if you do that, I think that you can really train people a lot better. Um, they're going to absorb all of the things that you're doing, you know? So go to work every day, do your job every day, make them watch you how you do your job every day. And the good guys will absorb that. Um, but yeah, I've got, I've got a favorite. I don't interview. think it'll ever get easier, Rob. I don't think it will. I've got a favorite interview question I want to share with you, Matt. It's my all-time sure, favorite. Sure. I cannot believe the responses I've received over the years. I'll do my best. All right, so here we go, Matt. If we were to bring you on board, and we had to let you go after sixty days, what is the most likely reason we had to let you go? Had to let me go? Yeah. Uh, because I would probably try to take over your company. <laughs> Not, so, in, not in a bad way, <laughs> not in a bad way, but I would be like, you're doing this wrong. You could do better this. And some guys like that. Other owners can't stand that. Um, and I've noticed that I've, I've actually got fired from a job because I, I tried too hard. Um, I, I personally, just, I'm the guy that loves that answer. But the, yeah. what, what I found by asking that, and it's usually the last question I ask in the interview of somebody that we're interested in is that they share all of the bad things they do because of the way I worded it. So my favorite answer of all time is a guy sat there for about a minute. Everybody says, wow, I've never heard that question before. And they sit there for a second and he goes, gross incompetence. And I thought, hmm. wow, okay. 
uh, we're not going to hire you, buddy. Uh, gr- not just incompetence. Gross incompetence was his reason. But we heard, like, I was late mm-hmm. too many times. I've heard um, I couldn't get along mm-hmm. with anybody on the team. Um, all mm-hmm. sorts of, like, underlying challenges they've had in the past. Because that's what they do is they go backwards. And they go, why did I not? Why did that last job not work out? And they tell you the reason because of the way we word it. Right. And it's fascinating because Understood. they just they just share with you what you're trying to get at, which is the real reason of why this wouldn't work. I love when people tell That's me. That's a great question to ask in an interview. Yeah. I, I definitely might use that. And you should borrow it. It's, it's a, shocking to me, the answers we Absolutely. get. I love the ones like, it wasn't me. Your business must have failed. Like, there's no way you're going to get rid of me because I'm going to crush this, right? Like, I like those kind of answers. Right. I'm going to take over because I'm going to fix sure. everything. Those are amazing. But it's a really great interview question for people to really isolate, like, what their, why it hasn't worked for them in the past at other places. Uh, we, we have asked the question of, um, you know, what are your flaws? Mm. Or, like, what, what do you recognize as your flaws? And the answers I got for that were like, wow, I can't believe you just said that in the interview. Um. But yeah, those are definitely great questions, man. You're kind of baiting them, right? Yeah. Let them open up and say whatever they want. Yeah, it's an indirect way of asking what are your flaws. And so because they're trying to... Yeah, they almost forget they're in the interview. That's right. That's right. They forget their interview. Like they're telling a friend. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm late all the time. Exactly. I'm late all the time. Oh, okay. That's great to know. Thank you. This is important that you're on time. So I don't think this is going to work out, right? So absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I take that question. Rob. I know we're at that time. We're going to wrap up here. I really appreciate it, Matt. This has been great. I think you're, you're operating a business model that I haven't seen before from the brick and mortar in the superstore model within a specific niche, along with, you've got a separate brand. I love the combination, the synergy of both. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share what you're doing with detailing world and hydrosolics with us. No worries, man. I love talking about it. All right. Thanks so Pleasure much. Pleasure to meet you, Rob. All right. Take care, buddy. All right, buddy. Have a great one. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, leave a review and share with friends.